The greatest story ever told is a true story. It is a story of adventures, battles, kings and queens, heroes and villains, good and evil, history and prophecy. It is your story. Come join the adventure of the Bible story. Chapter 150 Brutalized by Babylon This is completely unsustainable! A frustrated Jehoiakim said, throwing his chair across the room. We can't get ahead because Babylon keeps nuking us dry! For two years, Jehoiakim had struggled to rebuild Jerusalem and the surrounding area, but there never seemed to be enough money. By the time Jehoiakim paid for all his servants and the costs of his government, there was nothing left. And then he still had to tax the people even more to pay tribute to Babylon. There just wasn't as much wealth in Judah as there was during his father Josiah's rule. Some of Jehoiakim's advisors agreed with him. Now is the time to break free from Babylon, they urged. Our spies report that Egypt has built a massive army to fight the Babylonians. If we stop paying Babylon, the Egyptians would look favorably on us. We can be free. Then you can use the tribute money to build your own army. So after paying tribute to Babylon for two years, Jehoiakim decided to stop. He hoped that Nebuchadnezzar would be too occupied fighting Egypt to return to collect his due. For a while, it seemed like the plan had worked. Jehoiakim and the people of Judah had extra money to spend. Things appeared to improve and the nation began to feel more prosperous. And still there was no reports that Babylon had even noticed the missed payment. One morning, a breathless messenger galloped into Jerusalem. Sir, a band of Chaldeans, a band of Chaldeans are pillaging, pillaging, pillaging on the northeast frontier. Our district commander, he is requesting, requesting reinforcements. He needs reinforcements. Since Jehoiakim's spies in Babylon had not reported any large troop movements, he felt confident. Go ahead and send some of our cavalry to assist, he told an attending general. A few days later, a different messenger arrived from another part of the kingdom. Sir, Syrian soldiers are attacking your towns along the northern borderlands. The people need protection. Jehoiakim sent more troops. Then the Moabites and Ammonites began sneaking across the border and attacking. Jehoiakim's military was stretched to the limit. It seemed like all of Judah's neighbors were whittling away at the nation at once. Instead of just grabbing loot and leaving, they were burning whole villages, tearing up vineyards, and attacking defenseless people with the sword. I don't have any more soldiers to spare! Jehoiakim shouted, pounding his fist on his chair. This was all part of God's plan to punish Judah for its disobedience. Since the people had followed their king into idolatry, God was not helping Judah. 
Nebuchadnezzar had sent messages to Judah's neighbors, telling them that since Judah had stopped paying ransom, it was no longer under Babylon's protection. The enemies of Judah gladly took the opportunity to earn favor with the king of Babylon by plundering the weakened nation. Then King Nebuchadnezzar made his move. He sent his fastest cavalry and mobile infantry straight to Jerusalem. The city was surrounded before Jehoiakim could send for reinforcements. When the sun's first rays began to peer over the horizon, a shout went up from Jerusalem's guards. An army had appeared just out of bowshot from the city walls. Lookouts on the watchtowers could see soldiers marshalling into formation. Their numbers kept growing and growing. Soon, a troop of horsemen approached. The king of Babylon demands that Jehoiakim come out to him and explain why he has broken his word and stopped sending tribute, declared one of Nebuchadnezzar's generals. If he does not come out, we will destroy the city and every unprotected town in this wretched province that hasn't already been ransacked. You have one minute to give me your answer. Jehoiakim and his advisors were listening along the city wall. I'm not going out there. We will have to fight to the death if that is what it takes, the king said. I doubt they really want to fight anyway. They are likely on their way to battle Egypt and will need all the men they can get. But what about all of our people in the outlying towns who will be killed? Asked one incredulous officer. Many of us have families out there. Those cities will just have to fend for themselves responded the agitated king. This is your fault, accused another man. None of this would have happened if you had listened to the prophet Jeremiah and submitted to the Babylonians. We must protect our families, said a third man, as he began walking toward Jehoiakim. The king of Babylon wants you, so that is exactly what he will get. It is time for a new king. What? What are you doing? shouted Jehoiakim as his commanders closed in. Take your hands off me! The men picked up the struggling king and carried him straight to the city wall. Then, shockingly, they tossed Jehoiakim over the wall to his death as the whole Babylonian army looked on. It didn't take long for the Babylonians to realize what had happened. Drag his body over to the gateway. The Babylonian commander ordered one of his men. Turning to look up to the city walls, he shouted, No one is allowed to touch that body. By order of the great king, let it stay in front of the gates and rot as a lesson to all of those who would rebel. Jehoiakim's death appeased the Babylonians, who continued south toward Egypt. It also fulfilled Jeremiah's prophecy that no one would mourn Jehoiakim's death and that he would have the burial of an animal. Dumped on the ground before the gates of Jerusalem, he shall be buried. Thus ended the life of a king who refused to obey God and choose to live according to his cruel, selfish, and pagan ways.
Jehoiachin, one of Jehoiakim's sons, was made the next ruler of Jerusalem. He continued in the evil ways of his father. He was 18 years old when he began to rule, but he did not rule for long. The Egyptians were routed in a great battle with the Babylonians. Just three months into Jehoiachin's rule, the triumphant Babylonians returned to Jerusalem. I can't believe the Egyptians were defeated so quickly. Jehoiachin blurted to the men around him. How can there be so many Babylonians left? Look at them. There are thousands upon thousands of them. The whole city is surrounded. <gasps> Look at all the siege towers they have, gasped one of the onlookers. There must be at least a couple dozen catapults. Look at how big they are! They have covered battering rams too, noted another. Those are going to be tough to stop. And look at all the flocks of sheep. They have enough food for months. They must have really plundered Egypt. When messengers carrying a white flag approached, King Jehoiachin listened intently to their demand. Jehoiachin remembered all too clearly what had happened to his father only three months earlier. He decided not to risk battle. He ordered the city gates opened and went to pay homage to the Babylonian king. Once Jehoiachin reached the enemy camp, he was immediately put in chains. With the gates to the city opened, the people of Jerusalem were at the mercy of the Babylonians. Why are you treating me this way? The young king demanded. I have come peacefully and done everything you commanded. It is too late for that now, a Babylonian commander said, pushing Jehoiachin to the floor. You and your father made a big mistake by trusting in Egypt. You have had three months and ten days to pay the tribute you owe Nebuchadnezzar. Yet, where is it? Consider yourself lucky. If you had not come out, you and your family would be dead and your city burned. A sound began to grow in the distance, momentarily distracting Jehoiachin. Soon, he recognized the noise as people wailing within the city. What is happening to my people? demanded Jehoiachin. We need to pay for our battles somehow. There are many skilled craftsmen and artisans in your city. We are rounding them up. They will make a pretty penny when they are sold as slaves. The commander responded. <laughs> I wonder how much money I will be able to sell your wives and your mother for. <laughs> laughed a cruel soldier. All told, 10,000 people, including Jehoiachin and his family, all of Jerusalem's best soldiers, its princes and anyone skilled, were herded into a great throng and marched to Babylon. Many of the prisoners were forced to carry the Babylonians' plundered treasures, including all the gold and valuables taken from Jerusalem's temple. Only the weakest people, the sick and lame, were left behind. But before the Babylonians left, they installed a new king in Jerusalem. They chose Jehoiachin's uncle, a man named Mataniah. Mataniah must be installed as king immediately, the Babylonian high council said to Jerusalem's remaining inhabitants. So that you don't forget who is really in charge, King Nebuchadnezzar has given him a new name. Think of it as a reminder of who your new master really is. 
the Babylonian administrator lifted up his voice. All hail King Zedekiah, he shouted. Hail King Zedekiah! King Zedekiah! replied the Jews. May he live and prosper under the protecting shadow of Babylon, the council said, staring into the eyes of Jerusalem's newest king. It was weeks before the Babylonians finally left Jerusalem. During this time, King Zedekiah made sure to impress on them his total loyalty, although in his heart, he still hoped the Egyptians would eventually defeat the Babylonians. Normal life began to return to Jerusalem. The people began to rebuild. Commerce returned. Soon envoys began arriving from Egypt. At first, these ambassadors pretended to be merchants so as not to cause Zedekiah problems. But over time, they became bolder. It wasn't long before Egyptian representatives openly promoted the benefits of an alliance with Egypt. Zedekiah began to seriously consider an alliance. False prophets extolled the virtues of Egypt. Some of Zedekiah's officials were swayed by the lies. Many were desperate to break their servitude to Babylon. The prophet Jeremiah was saddened that the new king listened to these false prophets and appeared to be following in the footsteps of the previous two kings. When Jeremiah heard that Zedekiah had stopped sending tribute to Babylon, the prophet warned the king that it would lead to disaster. The king's prophets were infuriated by Jeremiah's warning. One prophet, Hananiah, went to the temple to publicly discredit Jeremiah. Jeremiah is a liar! Hananiah told the priests and all the people listening. God says he has broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. No longer will we be his slaves. God has told me that within two years, he will bring back all the golden vessels from the temple that Nebuchadnezzar stole. God will also bring back all our families who were taken away as slaves. Even King Jehoiakim will be released from prison. The false prophet was relieved to see how receptive the people were to his message. It is time to throw off the burdensome yoke of the king of Babylon, he said. If Jeremiah or anyone else wants to be a slave, let him go live in Babylon with the other slaves. Jeremiah was in the temple when Hananiah made his speech. He bore a wooden oxen yoke across his shoulders. At God's direction, Jeremiah had made wooden yokes and sent them to the kings of the surrounding nations. This was a warning that they should submit and become servants of the Babylonians, or they would be destroyed. God gave everyone a vivid visual reminder about his prophecy by having Jeremiah wear the yoke. Why do you listen to Hananiah? Jeremiah asked the people. 
He doesn't speak for God. He speaks only half-truths. It is true that the stolen vessels from the temple will be returned. Jehoiakim will eventually be released, and our families who have been carried away captive will eventually be allowed to return. But these things won't happen for many, many years. You lie! Hananiah yelled in anger as he stomped toward God's prophet. Before Jeremiah could react, Hananiah grabbed the wooden yoke from off Jeremiah's neck and smashed it on the ground until it broke in two. I speak for God, Hananiah thundered. And just as I have broken this wooden yoke, he will break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar from all nations within two years. Jeremiah could tell that the people had made up their minds to believe Hananiah's smooth speech. Deciding not to waste time in futile discussion, he left. A little while later, however, God told Jeremiah to return and confront Hananiah about his lies. Hananiah was still in the temple seeking to convince the Jews to rebel against Babylon. Jeremiah strode to the front of the assembly and turned to the false prophet. God has a message for you, Hananiah. You may have broken that wooden yoke, but God says he will replace it with yokes of iron from which there will be no escape. The intensity of Jeremiah's message silenced any response. Listen closely, you deceiver, Jeremiah commanded, his gaze fixed on Hananiah. I speak for God, not you. You are not a prophet, and God has not sent you. Your lies are causing these people to rebel against the God of Israel. Because of your sins, God says that in less than a year, you will die. Hananiah laughed off this direct warning. <laughs> but two months later, he was dead. The people, including King Zedekiah, should have been sobered by the event. Nevertheless, the king continued to lead his nation against God's word and into rebellion against Babylon. Jeremiah, meanwhile, remained busy delivering God's warning message. He wrote letters to the Jewish captives who were taken into captivity in earlier sieges by the Babylonians and lived in colonies along the Chiba River about 200 miles north of Babylon. He encouraged them to make the best of their difficult situation, to plant gardens and build houses and to start families and have children in preparation for the time that they would be allowed to return to their land. One of these captive Jews was the prophet Ezekiel. The fact that God called and commissioned Ezekiel as a prophet while he was in Babylonian captivity is wonderful proof of God's love, even for his rebellious people. Proof that all this correction was in fact aimed at helping them to repent. God told Ezekiel to warn the people to give up their idols and return to God. Many of his messages encouraged the people to get to know the true God. Most of the people refused to repent, disbelieving the visions God sent through this prophet who was a captive like they were. Back in Jerusalem, Jeremiah's warnings were mostly ignored. 
until a startling report arrived about a massive Babylonian army headed straight toward Jerusalem. To be continued in our next episode and continue the adventure by reading the Bible story. Find it under the Resources tab at pcg.church.